This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. For thousands of years, humans have found new and novel ways to navigate, using the stars, following landmarks and trail markers, and making it easier for later travelers to find their way. The maps they created were carved into stone, drawn onto paper. And now we've got GPS instead of sextants, and apps instead of atlases. 500 feet turn left. I can find my way around almost anywhere with a few taps on my smartphone. We've come a long way from paper and stone. But what will the next generation of maps look like? And how will we navigate as the internet becomes even more deeply entwined with our day-to-day lives? We're in that next evolution of information, detailed information that can really help you decide where to go and then figure out how to get there in a better way. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Danny Lewis. Today, we'll hear from Christopher Phillips, who leads the team running Google Maps. It's the fourth most popular mobile app in the U.S. by unique visitors, according to Comscore. That makes it more popular than Instagram, TikTok, and Spotify, or its closest competitor, Apple Maps. Phillips and I talked about how his company sees the future of maps and the technology that will help us navigate the world to come. Stay with us. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. And now, here's my conversation with Christopher Phillips, who runs Google's GeoTeam, including Google Maps. We spoke at the Wall Street Journal's Future of Transportation event in November and took questions from the audience. The audio has been edited for time and clarity. And one note, after we spoke, Google announced that the GeoTeam would be responsible for its other mapping service, Waze. The company says the apps will remain separate. So when I was growing up, my parents always had atlases at home and roadmaps in the car. I used to carry a New York City subway map folded up in my wallet. And now I've got all that and more on my phone. So what will my kids be using to find their way around? Like, what are the future devices you think they'll be using? Yeah, it's been a really amazing transformation to see how mapping and helping people have confidence when they're navigating the world has evolved over the years. The future will be a much more photorealistic view of the real world. You'll be able to transport yourself like what it really looks like to be there at that time of day with the weather conditions and the busyness conditions, and then see what's the best available options to get there. 
So what do you think we're actually going to be using? Are we still going to be sticking with, uh, you know, smartphones or uh, AR glasses or something on our face, brain implants? Uh, where do you think that's going? The mobile phone will continue to be a really important device for the foreseeable future. And there is some very exciting emerging technology coming down the road that we'll expect to have these types of experiences on that put information more readily, easily available in the context you're in. But the phone will continue to be an important part of that uh, going forward. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what some of those other contexts might be? Uh, my experience getting around is, you know, I'll, I'll take my phone out of my pocket, uh, look where I'm going and keep walking. So uh, what are some of the other ways that you think people will start integrating maps more into their everyday lives? So using the combination of visual cues, audio cues, um, augmented reality, all of these are really great ways to help fit your mode of transportation. So if you're walking, you might be hearing with audio combined with visual because not very safe to be walking around with your phone up and not paying attention to what's in front of you in the real world. But that could be very different than an embedded solution inside of a vehicle. And as more versions of autonomy come on, you can imagine that integrated experience uh, in the car can offer a lot more capability while keeping you safe on the road, different than what you might get with, with a phone. Even on you know electric bike and a scooter, having uh, embedded solutions where you're able to pay attention to, to where you are on the road and the curbs that are coming up. So the context of how you're moving about the world will dictate a lot of what is the most critical information to help you in that moment when you're on the go. So what's the worst time you got lost somewhere? And, and how'd you find your way out of it? Wow, um, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that I've found myself um, when not having <laughs> uh, uh, actual any device with me when I'm walking about or if I've gone out on a jog and I didn't take anything with me, um, getting turned around in an environment in another country that I wasn't in probably was not the best choice. So uh, I recently traveled to Asia um, to, to meet with our teams. And remember the last time I visited Tokyo, which was over 10 years ago, didn't have a phone, didn't have a map on the phone. And it was pretty hard to get around and not being a native Japanese speaker, I was very lost. This time though, visiting Tokyo, having my phone, I was able to navigate with confidence. I still had friends that I was there with, but the ability to have that confidence in my pocket made a huge difference compared to when I was there 10 years ago. So it's funny that you bring up uh, the uh, confidence question because studies have shown that relying on things like Google Maps or GPS uh, to navigate makes it harder for people to do it themselves. It's like letting that muscle go. Um, wouldn't making uh, maps more integrated into our daily lives just make us worse at it? Well, I think it's always important to use all the rich information, but also be aware of where you are and use, you know, the ability to use information from a map and what's on your phone to help assist is really the right way when we think about this information being useful and helpful and giving you that confidence, but not doing it for you. You know, we still have our own motor functions. And um, if we have the benefit of eyesight and ears and ability to walk or get around, you know, we still have to rely on, on that, those capabilities and think of the map as a way to help assist. So then why make maps more immersive then? Uh, what's, what's the benefit of that to the user? 
Well, I mean, think about the evolution of going from those paper maps we talked about and the fact that, you know, we've now transformed into a world where on your phone, you can actually see live traffic and how long it might take to get to a place. And I was talking to my daughter and she's like, dad, what did you do back in the olden days? And we joked about it because, you know, we maybe knew how to get to the airport from our home. But you kind of had to guess on when you would leave and hope that the conditions didn't have you run into a situation that made you late. And we're in that next evolution of information, detailed information that can really help you decide where to go and then figure out how to get there in a better way. For example, the fact that a lot of businesses may be open or closed. Does it have outdoor seating? What's the weather condition like? Maybe it's cold. Maybe sitting outside is not the right choice for you today. And then based on the conditions outside, should I take the subway? Is it nice enough to ride my bike? Um, we've expanded accessible locations. So accessibility information. If you are in a wheelchair and you need to go to a place that has wheelchair access, has bathrooms and restrooms that are um, accessible, those are details that you didn't find in the historical mapping products that now help people make great choices on where to go and how to get there. And that level of information is gonna to continue to be really valuable to help people enjoy everything the real world has to offer. After the break, if you're going to use a map, you need to be able to read it. Will all this information on our phones really help people get around or will it just get in the way? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. One thing that I've been thinking about as we've been talking is, you know, we're adding all these different layers of complexity um, to just the very idea of a map. Um, so what are some of the hurdles that you found when you're designing these new mapping technologies and, and bringing in all this information in, into this one place? Keeping the product as simple as possible with all of this useful information is a big challenge and something we think about and work on continually. One of the ways we're tackling that is the visualization of the information. So these new immersive visual experiences actually help you get a lot of information and in a, just a quick glance versus what you might have to go and look through large lists of information. And so the really cool thing about starting to roll out this um, search with live view, where you lift up your phone when you're at a corner and you can actually see the different um, restaurants, ATMs, barbershops, even places that are on the other side of a building that might be blocked from your view is a way to actually put information together that you can see versus having to read and look through. And then even the fact that I look at that barbershop and I could see, are they open, closed? How much do they charge for a haircut? So that's an example of where the visualization at a glance, can present lots of information in an easier way to consume. 
So if I'm being totally honest here, uh, even just hearing you describe all that kind of gives me a little bit of information overload. It's kind of like going down into a, to a diner and, you know, plopping down in front of you this huge book-like menu where you're just having to sift through dish after dish after dish. And it's like, I'm going to end up with a burger. It's a lot of information to get across visually. Uh, how do you avoid having that overload the user and having like too many options being thrown up on the screen? Yes, that's a, it's really important that we take a lot of care in trying to rank the information that you might see on a page based on what we think is uh, most important for you to see in that moment. And then when you're in that mood to kind of dig into that menu, because maybe you don't want that burger and you're ready to explore into something more um, unique that that place might be really known for, we don't want you to miss out on that either. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of this delicate balance between helping us quickly see what we need, getting that information, moving on, or if I want to go deep into more and more information and that's going to be there and available. It's about how much time and how much you want to, to learn and discover. Even the different modes of how you can get someplace, driving, taking the bus, walking, cycling. You know, we, we show you at a glance those options, and then you may have already made your choice. Now, of course, the weather conditions have to cooperate. And then, oh, that cycling option is just as fast. It's a nice day. Well, wait, how many hills are there? Well, you can dig in and understand how hilly that ride is because maybe it's shorter to get there on the bike, but I'm not interested in climbing hills today if you're in the Bay Area, for example. So you, and as you use the product, can take what you want as you use and interact on the levels of information that you would like to have. You're adding in all these new elements. Um, and it seems to me like it would just make it really hard to keep verifying if you know locations are accurate. Um, so how do you keep on top of all of that stuff and do all these new layers of information um, add complexity to just making sure everything is correct? Keeping the map accurate is something we think about and work on every day. It's really hard, but it's part of our responsibility. We use all kinds of methods to accomplish that. We have what we can collect ourselves. We work with businesses. We work with governments and authoritative services. Our user community are doing tons of work and helping users and people help people. And we have sophisticated platforms and moderation tools to actually deeply understand, is this information the source it's coming from, a trusted source like a transportation authority? Is this information coming from a group of people? And what do we need to understand before we go ahead and post that to the map? We've also used really interesting AI and machine learning techniques. For example, during COVID, um, the business hours of places was changing all the time. So we did a lot of work and, and deployed technology to actually call businesses and very simply let them know as an automated service where they can actually answer a couple quick questions. Have your hours changed? What are they? Do you have any new COVID restrictions? And that helped us scale to millions of businesses to kind of keep having more ways that we can check on accurate information at scale. Google agreed to pay more than $390 million to settle allegations that it continued to track users even when location tracking on their phones was turned off. Why should consumers trust Google Maps over alternative mapping apps? We take data privacy, location privacy very seriously. And the product policies that, that settlement was based on are outdated and have changed. We've made so many improvements to helping 
people who use our products have transparency and control. So there are many, many capabilities that we have available today and that we continue to build. So Suri asks, how does the new technology ensure safety and privacy of people? Um, are you integrating anything uh, new into this uh, to really make sure this, this data is as locked up as people want it to be? So for years, we have been minimizing the amount of information that we even store and keep on people. And a lot of our products, a lot of what we do when we're actually helping predict how long it's going to take to get to the office today or to drop the kids off is used with information that is aggregated and anonymous. It's not tied to an individual person. And those millions of signals are used to help us build really high quality predictions. So it's minimizing what we keep, but using the information in an anonymous way so that we can power all these really great pieces of information, like how busy a place is typically on a Friday night. And how are you going to be making money off of all this? Yeah, so Google Maps is primarily monetized through advertising. And we're really careful with how we use advertising on the map, though, because we never want to have advertising be in the way. We always want it to be helpful pieces of information. You search for coffee shops near me, a, a coffee shop can actually pay for advertising to have themselves show up and be ranked against the natural organic results. But we would only show that coffee shop if it was relevant to where you are and where you're going or where you're searching for. So the results are always relevant information, but businesses can promote themselves on the platform. And that's really important to helping small business owners who are trying to be found with so many options. So we primarily monetize through, through advertising, um, but we're doing it in a very thoughtful way to make it feel more native information to the mapping experience. Thank you so much again for joining us, Chris. Danny, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Christopher Phillips is the vice president and general manager of Google's GeoTeam. We spoke during the Wall Street Journal's live Future of Transportation event in November. So here's a question for you, listeners. Would you want mapping technology more integrated into your daily life? How would you use it? Email us. We're at foepodcast at wsj.com. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was produced by me, Danny Lewis, with help from Ariana Asparu. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Jessica Fenton is our sound designer. And Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>